everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. We have missed y'all. I'm Callie, in case you've forgotten, because it's been a million years. And I am with my co-host, Elise, in case you have forgotten her name as well. Hello. It's been, I didn't even realize it had been three weeks, which is too long. Yeah, it's almost a month. But we have a good reason. I know. I was like, do I remember how to do this? I was like, what do I say in the beginning? How's this go? What? Uh, yeah, everyone life has been very hard and I'll fill everybody in on my sparkle with the rain, but should we say what we're talking about? What our submission is today? Yes. Shitty siblings. Yes. Or just one in particular. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about family dynamics and what to do when you don't have one big happy family. And then we also have an update that we will share later as well. I know. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Who should go first for the sparks? Oh, please. Not me. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll start with the rain and end with the sparkle. Um, last, I don't even remember. I literally was having amnesia before Callie and I got on here and I was like, I don't remember what I shared last because it's been so long, but I do remember sharing that we, Carl and I had our fifth transfer and we were super hopeful. Um, but unfortunately it did not stick and we did not get pregnant and we have no more embryos to use. So back at ground zero, which fucking sucks, but there's nothing really we can do about it. I've taken three weeks to be (laughs) very sad and feel all the feels. Um, and I'm just now kind of starting to feel back to myself. Um, I got, and so here's my sparkle. I got on Zoloft and I'm so excited about it. I have a new psychiatrist and she specializes in pre and postnatal care, which was so freaking cool. Callie, you would love this because I met with her. We did like a super in-depth consultation. And then she pulled out all of this research about the benefits. I mean, obviously people are like scared of being on SSRIs during pregnancy, but she pulled out so much research about on the flip side, how detrimental having untreated anxiety is throughout a pregnancy. And in the process of trying to get pregnant, like it was mind blowing to me. I've, and Callie knows this, I put off Callie and I've been having the conversation of me needing to get back on anti-anxiety medication for a year. It was getting borderline into bullying. I yeah. Was like, okay. So when's your appointment? <laughs> yeah, no. And I like need it. Like there's no way I have generalized anxiety disorder. It's only being exacerbated by all of our life circumstances. So Um, but the whole time I was my excuse to Callie and Carl and everybody else who was telling me I needed to do this was that I was worried to get on it before pregnancy. And I, cause you had anxiety about my mic fell over. I was so excited. You had anxiety about getting on the anti-anxiety. Yes. (laughs) See how that works out. Very funny. Um, but yeah, it was wild because it was almost like she anticipated anticipated me saying that. And she was like, look, like research shows that if you have untreated anxiety during pregnancy, you're at a higher risk of preterm birth. You're at a higher risk for 
the head circumference of your baby being significantly smaller. She listed out all these things. She's done her own research. She like had it ready to go. And she also on the flip side, um, was explaining that, you know, there's not a lot of risk if you're on ones that are safe for pregnancy. Um, so Zoloft it is, I'm very excited and I'm on a super baby dose and we're just going to see how it goes, but we're two days in. So good. You know, Mary Grace and I recorded that episode about postpartum life and kind of what happens after you have a baby. And she was explaining It's interesting because when I talk to other women, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but I keep hearing about postpartum depression. It's like, that's what the media reports on. That's kind of what's out there in the zeitgeist. That's what everyone talks about. But when I actually have one-on-one conversations, it's always postpartum anxiety. Mm. And like, I don't know. I just feel like that's more common anecdotally, of course, um, within maybe my circle. Uh, and so what, how great would that be if you could like combat that before? Well, it's interesting that you say that because in my conversation with my psychiatrist, we were kind of talking about just my history with anxiety and depression. And she was saying that due to not only my predisposition to having generalized anxiety disorder and situational depression, that I would be super high risk for postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, just due to what we've been through and everything. And she was also like, you're going to have PTSD when you're pregnant. So like, you need to I thought about that too, because how could you not? Yeah. I mean, I just feel like that's the only natural response Totally, until you get to that milestone that you got to, or that you haven't got to before. Right. right. Like, like you've, you're further along than you were with Wilder. Yeah. Like, I don't, that's just a natural human response to be nervous the whole time. Totally. So I like loved her. She was amazing. I am. It's one of those things that I'm like kicking myself. Like, why didn't I just do this earlier? But here we are. Or two yeah, pills. Did. To be fair, you did. It's not like this is the first time you've tried to get on meds. It's just sometimes it's, it's not a one size fits all. We have to yeah. find what works for us. And like, you also probably had a little bit of actual, like normal, not like generalized anxiety, anxiety disorder, but like the natural anxiety that you get from going through something bad, yeah. uh, whenever, you know, your migraine medicine interacted with Prozac and you're like, yeah, what is happening to me? Yeah. I literally thought I was dying. It was not, not a good day for me that day, but yeah, I'm excited. She said that, um, Zoloft is number one, Lexapro is number two and Prozac is number three in terms of like pregnancy safe, most like favorite in order of favorites for psychiatrists to use. So Well, and you went to a psychiatrist this time. Can I just say for the record, how important it is to, when you are dealing with something like serious, I'm not saying like, you know, when you have a tummy ache or you have a cold, it's like, whatever. But when you're dealing with like 
severe mental health issues, which I would call your anxiety. It was getting to a point of severe because you had so many life events that would trigger anxiety in someone who doesn't even have anxiety. Yeah. And then you already had anxiety and then all these life events. It's like, how were you supposed to cope? Like impossible. Or, you know, you're going through infertility, which is a very complex issue. Like you got to go to the big guns guys. Like I know. we need the real professionals here because remember and nothing against nurse practitioners, but that's how you went to who you went to the first time. Right. Yeah. Cause I was, I wasn't, I was just like, I know I already know what I want. I want to try Prozac because I had a friend who had already tried it, but I think even the, and dosage- we're, we're done with the anecdotal referrals. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we are not. I'm Callie has officially fired me from uh-huh. all things except for blush. Thank God. <laughs> True. And I gladly accept. I'm in I'm in retirement now for finding doctors and uh-huh. having any say in anything. So well, I mean, we we've been told for so long that the power of referral is gold. It's like, you know, when you have a friend that has had a good experience with a practitioner, it's like, oh, you know, word yeah. of mouth is so powerful. But like, no, degrees are powerful. Yes. Like <laughs> experience is powerful because your friend has a different brain markup than you do. Like your friend doesn't have as complicated of a case as you do. Your friend doesn't have chronic Lyme disease, right? Like your friend doesn't have all these things. And so it's just so important that we do our research to find doctors who know their shit and you can recognize the medical school that they went to and you know where they did their fellowship. And like, if it's not posted somewhere, there's a reason I am not an education snob in any other facet other than here, because I'm actually convinced that not everyone needs to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like college is not for everyone and it's expensive and you can absolutely become super successful without going to school. I believe it just not when it comes to the field of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And I just have to like show all my gratitude to you, Callie, because if it weren't for Callie, I, <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I can't even fathom because like, truly I would probably be unhinged under a rock somewhere, but (laughs) thank God for Callie. Like I just figured it out for sure. You would have figured it out, but you are in a much better place now. And I do acknowledge that. I feel like some of my ribbing helped a little bit just because like when you're in it, you really do need someone else who's not in it to be like, Hey, I'm not flooded right now. I can see things clearly and you are in too much distress, rightfully so to even try to see things clearly. So this is the one time I'm going to come in and be like, you you're off the hook. I'm just going to take it from here for the next week. And then I'll give it back to you. But what like, and I, just, it makes me sad for people who don't have someone like you in their life, because like, I truly, I mean, in the past, I don't know, year, like I, you have been such a lifeline for me. And I just, it makes me so sad to think that like, I, that's such a gift, you know, and not everybody has someone who's willing to literally do research when you can't do research or care as much about it as you do, you know? I think SART needs to be like on one of my bookmarks. Oh, by the way, anyone going through infertility, there is a website called SART, S-A-R-T. And you go, go to the website and then click find a clinic. And it's not like they've been endorsed by these people or they're like very luxury and you'll love the office. It's like, no, fuck that. Here are the reports Mm -hmm. from 2019 and 2020 to see 
if these doctors have had success and they break it down by age, they break it down by the treatment. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just cold, hard numbers. Yeah. And you can literally pull these up and just compare clinics. So it's like, it's not finding a clinic like, Oh, what's close to me. What has great parking? It's like, no, what are the success rates? Totally straight up. And that's all you really need to know. Mm -hmm. So we, we got a new doctor and he's great and I love him. Yes, we do. We do. And it just so happens that my best friend also went to go see him, but that's not why we chose him. No, chose him for other reasons, but it's a cherry on top that we also have someone else. Yes. And weirdly enough, my doctor and Callie's doctor in LA are best friends. It's so cute. And they didn't even go to med school together, which means they like sought each other out at like a conference or something. I know that's, I love that truly adorable. I like it's truly, but it doesn't surprise me at all because smart people find each other. Yeah. So I love it. Makes me so happy. Okay. My stupid sparkle. This is just like a very dumb. I don't even know if this is going to help anyone. It probably won't, but I, so happy pride, happy pride, everybody. On Wednesday, Pride kicked off in West Hollywood, which by the way, West Hollywood has probably one of the most famous Prides other than New York. Um, West Hollywood and LA have separate Prides, but West Hollywood is considered the gayberhood, if you will. Um, We have a long history. I've already talked about this on previous podcasts, but in the 80s, we were called the dying city because men with AIDS would come here to Mm. literally live out the rest of their lives just in peace and solitudes. And so they wouldn't be like bullied or looked at funny. I know it was like so sad. And so now, you know, fast forward, actually even more interesting is that the building that I live in was built in the seventies. And there are some older gentlemen in the building who bought their uh, place in the eighties. And a lot of them bought them in foreclosure because men were going through all these medical treatments and spent all their money on that to survive. Right. And so, yeah. So it's been really interesting, especially living through the pandemic. Like a big thing is like, I survived AIDS. COVID's not going to take me out. So I'm going to do all of the, you know, like we, LA was very, or West Hollywood was very into like, show your vaccine status or like show a negative test before walking in. And like, it was just very much like masks everywhere. And it's like, I get it. Like, this is not the first pandemic these people have lived through. Yeah. We just don't think about it that way because the AIDS pandemic didn't technically, I mean, it did like, it's not like AIDS is not transmissible through other forms of sex and straight people can also get AIDS, but you see what I'm saying. It very Mm -hmm. much affected one population. Uh, and so anyway, point being pride is extremely important and historical in West Hollywood. And so it kicked off on Wednesday. It was like kind of like a VIP party that we got invited to. I know I felt so special. And so Andrew got invited out, right? Which is cool. So because he's, he's on the public's, uh, public facilities commission, which I call the parks commission also known as he's Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation. So that was fun. He got invited on his own. And then our friend who's on the city council kindly enough added me to his invite list, which was very nice. So we went and I am used to, are you used to this? I'm used to being like an eternal plus one. Like that's, it's weird. That's how I view myself within, especially within my marriage with Andrew. It's like, Andrew's always the one that everyone knows. And then I'm his wife. Mm -hmm. That happened to you. When you go places and you're like, oh, this is Carl. And then I don't, I don't probably really, not. I don't really go places. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So there's that, but Andrew's always had like a lot more friends than me. He's a lot more social. So it's just like, 
I don't know. I've just kind of always, it started in our twenties. So I've just kind of been used to that dynamic. So I walk in and, you know, people start introducing us and, you know, to some people I haven't met before, <laughs> like every time they would introduce Andrew and be like, Oh, this is Andrew. He's on the public facilities commission. And this is uh, Callie and she runs WeHo Pickleball. <laughs> I love that. Expecting this is Callie's wife, and then it was like, oh, and Callie is a, <laughs> runs the pickleball community. She's and the pickleball like, queen. And some people like it's like a light went off, and they're like, wait, that's you? You run WeHo pickleball? And I was like, well, you know, when you put it like that, I guess I do. Yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> and it was just so funny to me. I mean, because of course, like. It's, you know, we're in a place where the context isn't, what do you do for work? It's not like, oh, this is Callie from Blush or like, oh, this is Andrew from Apple. It's like, it's very much community driven. Um, it's like, you know, everyone there is either has like some role within the city or is connected to the city somehow. And so, I mean, it just didn't even dawn on me that I had every right to be there for my own sake. Hell yeah. Like it, you know, it just like, didn't even occur to me. So I don't know. It was kind of a wake up call to me to like, stop putting myself in this box of you are someone's plus one. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I think what I realized is like, I don't take what I do seriously enough because like, it still feels weird to me to be like, oh yeah, I run. And, and the community has 550 members. Literally oh. like we have grown it. And when I say we, it's like Andrew's help, but it really has been me. That's me. That's awesome. We need to get you a t-shirt that says pickleball queen. Pickleball queen. Uh, John wants it to be spelled K-W-E-E-N. <laughs> yes, please. Pickleball queen. Um, anyway, I mean, and yes, of course I love pickleball, but it's really about like, it's just been such a blessing to build a community. Like mm -hmm. I've got 30 people that show up every single day, every day. That's to awesome. play. We have all become friends. Um, it's obviously a revolving door. It's not the same 30 people every day. It's like, you know, again, there's 550 members. So it's like new people every day. So anyway, I've, I've met a ton of people. I mean, walking around pride yesterday, uh, just like walking around the parade and there was a concert and all this stuff. I mean, we kept running into everybody and I'm like, two years ago, I wouldn't have known any of these people. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? Like I, and it was all these new people that I met and I'm like, damn, I know my community. Like yeah. I know this city. This is crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy how that stuff works out. So anyway, it was a little wake up call to me. And I have a feeling that lots of people listening also need wake up calls about their role and the influence and impact they have on others. And that sometimes you put yourself in that plus one category, but really maybe they're the plus one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no one's the plus one. I maybe love we that. all have a right to be places. That was not a stupid sparkle. That was like a very like, like sweet, nice one. I loved it. I know. I just, again, I can't, the sport's called pickleball. Like it's kind of hard to take <laughs> that story seriously when the punchline is I am the head of Pickle. You know, there's, there's literally professional pickleball players. Like, oh, I know. I'm watching up. the tournament tonight. It was this weekend and obviously it's pride. So I have stuff to do, but tonight my entire evening is going to be, Oh, Elise, 
I went to dreamland in Austin over Memorial day weekend. So I could buy a sweatshirt because Lee Whitwell wears that sweatshirt. And who is Lee Whitwell? <laughs> She's a 50 year old pickleball pro player. That's right. You heard me 50 years old and she's kicking everyone's ass. And I'm obsessed with her. That's awesome. Because, okay. And then I'll get off my soapbox. Pickleball is the, okay. Someone's going to correct me on this. I don't care, but it's one of the most popular sports where mixed doubles, meaning mixed gender doubles is the most popular. So the most popular version Mm. of the sport has men and women on the court together. That's cool. It's so cool. There's also this thing called the, um, I think it's the dream maker, the dream breaker. And it's when it's a tiebreaker. And so when in this tournament, when you're playing doubles, there's a few games. And so maybe it's like one team has two wins. The other team has two wins. So it's like, how do we choose the winner? It's called a dream breaker. And they pair a man and a woman to play singles. And the first person, then there's four points that are up for grabs. So maybe one person gets three, one person gets one they get off the court and two new people come on, but it's always a man versus a woman. And the women like kick the men's ass half the time. That's awesome. Like how, when do you ever see that Never. in modern sports ever? Never. Never. It's maybe, so maybe awesome. like p- ping pong. That's but- what people say, but it's like, who's watching ping pong? Honestly. Not, yeah. Anyone no. listening to this podcast, like, Ooh, I'm going to watch a ping pong tournament tonight. Like, no, <laughs> that's something you play in your garage when you're bored. Like, it's a great sport. Love it. Is it a sport? I it's more like something to pass the time. I mean, so, I watched, I watched a little bit of the ping pong tournament. Like there's a, an Olympic. Yeah. The Olympics. That's fun though. But that's like, you're in the spirit and you're like used to watching sports and they're like fucking legit. Like oh, I know. insane. It's like, like Forrest Gump style, like sweating their butts off. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's of course, that's like, the first reason why I love it. Like when, and I mean, my favorite word is y'all gender neutral. My favorite sport is pickleball, gender neutral. So, I love it. All right. That concludes this lecture. Okay. Should we let's do the, the update? update? Yeah. Let's share the update first. Okay. So I, since it's been a year since we've recorded, I actually can't remember. I don't know if this was from last podcast or the podcast. Before. I think it was the most recent podcast. We I think it was too. Okay, cool. So, um, in case y'all forgot, this was from, oh shit, I don't even remember the name that she used, but she was the one who got dumped and then had to move in with like six other people in a big city and was like ashamed of herself that she didn't have her life figured out. And I was like, oh, joke's on you. No one does. Yeah. So this is the update, which just absolutely melted both of us. Um, oh my God, y'all read my letter. Thank you for your advice. I wanted to give you an update. First, yes, Callie, I am in New York City. Boom! I was right. After listening to the podcast twice, I sat down and really thought about next steps. I'm moving back with my parents down in Charleston. Hell yes. And have taken a part-time position to help me financially while I reset. Love it. As much as this sucks, I'm excited to apply for positions in cities that I want to move to and can afford to live in. Uh Uh-huh. Anytime someone snickers that I've moved back, who the fuck are these people? Uh, back in with my parents that I joke that I have two, two roommates are better than six. It's totally shut people up. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your sage wisdom and advice. P.S. <laughs> Preach Callie. The mediocre white man is the enemy. <laughs> I love it. I can't believe that people snicker at her when she's, you know, she's like, who like, are those people? Not your friends. That's no. Who. And also Carl and I lived with my parents for, it was supposed to only be a month and a half and it ended up being like 
seven or eight months. And like, I would go back in a heartbeat. <laughs> I had, I had a hot meal three times a day. I got my bed made every day. I have the laundry done, my underwear folded. Who folds underwear? Not me. Not me. My mom did, faded. Oh, love it. Faye. And also may I just point out that like, there are worse places to move back to than Charleston. Yeah, I mean, no Charleston's awesome. I actually, one of my best friends was texting me this morning because she's going there for Labor Day weekend. I've been to Charleston a handful of times. So she was like, where should we go? I mean, Charleston's like a, like, I couldn't actually think of a better city to reset. It's like, totally. you're on the ocean, you know, you get that salt air. It's gorgeous. You can walk around. I mean, like that is the perfect place for soul searching. So all in, we are proud of you. Good job. Yeah. Oh, I love this decision. I can't even tell you how much I love this decision. It makes me so happy. She's going to be so much better off. I predict in six months, we get like an even more insane update. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Super pumped. Love it. Okay. Let's get on to today's main attraction. Okay. Hi, Callie and Elise. I'm writing into you both because my sister absolutely sucks. She is four years older than me and we've never really been close. She was always super popular in school and got in trouble a lot by drinking and getting bad grades. I, on the other hand, was more quiet and reserved and really loved learning and was always top of my class. Hey, my sister always jokes that I'm our parents' favorite. There's always been this competitive dynamic between the two of us. I should mention, we also have a younger brother, but he is eight years younger than me. So it's a different dynamic. I'm 26 and my sister is 30. Thank you for the details. It feels like there's always a race to life milestones. I got in a serious relationship. Then she started desperately trying to do the same. I got engaged. Then she got engaged. Then she decided to have a really short engagement. So she got married before my husband and I did. It's like her efforts are so obvious that everyone, everything is in spite of me. We never hang out just the two of us, but every time we hang out as a family, she makes under the table, nasty comments to me and my husband, like backhanded compliments and takes all the opportunities to embarrass us or make us feel small. Mm -hmm. She is so passive aggressive and basically everything that comes out of her mouth is negative. It's honestly exhausting being around her. We ended up all getting together a few weeks ago for our little brother's birthday. And she got so drunk and started a screaming fight with me. I get so frustrated with myself because she always knows what buttons to press. So she gets a reaction out of me. It was a really dramatic fight. And we made a scene at the party, which left my mom in tears. I guess I just don't know how to handle this relationship. She's my sister. So it's not like I can never see her again. My family is close knit. So I need to figure out a way to be able to be around her without dreading it. It makes me sad that we can't have a normal, healthy relationship because I see so many friends with their sisters as their best friends. And I had always hoped our relationship would change. Do I just need to accept that she won't change? How do I not react to these arguments? What should I do from my sister sucks? Bill. I know. Okay. I'm not going to, I'll be honest with you, Elise and letter writer. I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't on your side because I don't really know if we're supposed to take size on whatever, but at first I was like, okay, like, so she got in a serious relationship around the same time you did. Okay. She got engaged the same time you did. Okay. She wanted like a fast engagement. Like to me, I was reading that and I was like, that has nothing to do with you. Like these are, you can't control when you meet someone, you can't control when you get engaged, you can control when you get married. But like, I know plenty of people that feel strongly about short versus long versus I guess like average engagements. Like it is a thing. Have you noticed that? It's like some yeah. people want really long engagements and some people are like, I want to be married yesterday. Totally. 
So I was reading that and I was like, okay, like maybe not everything is about you. And then I got to the second paragraph and I was like, (laughs) okay, never mind. Some things are about you. So I want to start off by saying like, I think it might ease your mind if you only take the things that are directed towards you personally and kind of leave the rest, like that might help a little bit, but I also want to challenge some of her like locked in thoughts about family and what's possible for her and what's not. But before we get there, I wanted to know your first thoughts. Yeah. You know, I think the last sentence before all the questions is maybe like the most important out of all of it saying that she sees all of her friends with this, their sisters as her best friends. And I'd always hoped that our relationship would change. I think that this is so painful for her, the letter writer, because maybe there's some seed of hope in her heart that their relationship will change and that her sister will change and that they could have a healthy relationship. And like, you really can't cling to that at all because in order for a relationship to be healthy, you need to have two parties willing to put in the work to be healthy. And if you only have, if that's only one-sided, then you're kind of SOL, you know? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you need to at least have some level of respect. And, and the thing about it is again, coming back to this whole, like everything she does is in spite of me, like that seed was planted somewhere. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, my sister sucks that you're creating this false narrative about your sister, making everything about you. But I am saying like, something happened and has been happening to get you to arrive at this point. Because like, again, you know, I don't know. I'm assuming when you got engaged, other people also had gotten engaged. And like, I had a wedding around somewhat the same time that other people had weddings. And it's like, I never once was like, this is about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my God, I got engaged. Like you got engaged. <laughs> like, right. And I get that it's family. So it's a little different, but it's like, to me, that was such, such a weird thought to have. And then now that it's like, I guess, percolating in my brain, I'm like, oh, this is probably not the first time something like totally. that's happened. And like, sh- and, it, and it's also like the relationship is so far gone that that was her first thought mm-hmm. was that her well, sister is doing this to make her miserable. Yeah. And I think she's probably trying to like attach anything that reinforces her narrative about this. So like any opportunity that you have to be able to like validate how you're feeling. I think you take that and run with it. Right. So maybe some of this is like true, not true, but I think the the point is that again, she is so hurt and has had such a long road of feeling disrespected and unloved and underappreciated that I'm not trying to say there's no hope for this relationship, but the amount of work that would have to go into it. And it would probably be all one-sided. I'm guessing feels insurmountable at this point. Yeah, totally. I hear, I, I feel that too from this letter. Yeah. So, okay. She's proven her case. My sister sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> she's my sister. So it's not like I can never see her again. Wow. I knew you were going to say something about that. <laughs> 
I knew that. I know. No, I love it. I love to hear it because I think that you like, this is where I love Callie and I's differences because Callie's just like burn this bitch down. And I love that. And I think, but I'm always on the other side of it of like the least, the least amount of waves is the best, but I'm excited to hear what you say about this. Yeah. I mean, not to like, I don't want to air my family's dirty laundry out, but I think I already have on this podcast or whatever, but like, (laughs) this is not about my brother, my brother and I, we definitely fight. Um, we had like a blowout, like, like six months ago. Um, and so I'm not trying to say that we have a perfect relationship by any means. We don't get to see each other very much because he does live in the middle East, but this is all to say, this is not about my brother, but there is a sibling relationship, uh, in the family where they are estranged and they have not been in the same room with each other for years. And I have followed suit. And actually if that relationship is ever repaired between those two siblings, my relationship with one of the siblings will never be repaired Mm. ever out of, out of solidarity, but also out of just observation. Because the other thing too, is that this little brother is watching this dynamic too. This, this dynamic that you and your sister have is not just affecting you too. Yeah. As you can see, mom was in tears. It was, you ruined, I mean, not you specifically, but y'all ruined the brother's birthday. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people are collateral damage in yeah. this fucked up dynamic. Uh, and I relate to that very well, even though I am not a part of a toxic dynamic, I have been victim of one, Mm. um, by having to be around it and it's not fun. And I have built up enough anger and resentment to where I am to the point of no return where I don't give a fuck if this relationship is ever mended. I'm not part of it. Mm -hmm. I won't, I don't support it. They can do whatever they want. Obviously if, um, if one of the siblings and it's between a sister and a brother, if the sister wants to forgive her brother, that's fine. That's up to her. I've already made my decision. And so I think zooming out and realizing it's not just about you um, and that these things are generational. Yeah. So it doesn't stop at your generation. Mm. It keeps going. And these patterns are passed down. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That's freaking scary. Yeah. Right? Um, but that's what happens when the cycles are not broken. I'd be curious to know if your mom or your dad has toxic relationships with their siblings that would kind of be interesting to know and what they did about it. Because again, failing patterns repeat. That's just something that I would be curious about. And I would ask your family about and see if you could get any advice about clearly what does not work because the cycle was not broken, but putting it into that context, I would say that you are doing more damage by following this, frankly, stupid belief that family is above everything. Mm -hmm. Family should not be above everything. Family should not be above your own mental health. Family should not be above your own safety and security. Family should not be above your own happiness. Yep. Like I will stop. I know I'm with you. I want to read. I think I sent this to you after (laughs) family dynamic blow up of my own, Um, but I sent this to you. It says phrases like you know how they are, are no longer acceptable. I don't care if you are a family member, someone I've known for years or someone I met today. Your disrespect is not acceptable to me simply because it is expected by everyone else. And that's by Morgan Richard Olivier. (laughs) 
Sure. Um, Olivier. I, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. But I, I love that because I think that oftentimes, and my family is no exception. Like it's very evident that my family dynamic, it's just me, my brother, and my parents, we've always cared about like the image and the perception and this picture of like, we're the perfect, happy family and we all love each other and preserve that at all costs. Like that's, what's most important. And in, you know, my life struggles that has had an impact on my family dynamic, which has, you know, caused conflict and problems and things like that. But what I have now in my recent years of having a backbone and standing up for myself and knowing what is tolerable and what's not and where my boundaries lie, just because someone is your blood does not mean that that is an excuse to treat you like shit and to abuse you. And for the longest time in family, friends, relationships, I didn't have boundaries because I didn't have that self-worth and know what how I should be treated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know, I can distinctly remember a conversation that I had with my mom after my brother and I got into a really big fight and she was like, you know, just let's make up, let's, you know, let's all be peaceful and happy again. And I, I asked her if someone else had treated me this way, that was a friend or maybe in a relationship, you would tell me not to be in their life anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, just because it's family, isn't any different. Like that's not, that's not okay. And so, you know, it's hard, especially when it's family to set, start setting boundaries because that disrupts, you know, what's most important, which is to preserve the family unit at all costs. But there is a consequence to not setting boundaries. There's a cost for everything, right? A consequence for every action or lack of action. And so I think for this letter writer, like in my eyes, you don't really have a choice, but to start setting boundaries and distance yourself and protect yourself. Otherwise you're equally as part of the problem as your sister is. Oh yeah, absolutely. By continuing to show up and by putting yourself in a, in a dangerous you know, mental situation, but you're also, um, affecting, you know, the rest of your family with mm -hmm. this toxic dynamic too. It's interesting because we just visited, um, Andrew's family in, uh, Austin and, you know, in the past, I think there's been some tension here and there, usually because of like politics and stuff, which is just so silly. And so Andrew and I went and, you know, what his family does so well that I just have to like, give this massive shout out is they prioritize the relationship first mm. always. And so sometimes things get out of hand, I'm sure, but like between, even between him and his sister who sometimes butt heads and between, you know, and, and me, and I know that I have, you know, strong political beliefs. This is not all just about politics. I'm sure it's about lifestyle, whatever, but, um, it was like, so amazing spending time with them and just hanging out and being like, they make an effort to let you know that you are more important to them than any of the other things that we disagree on. Mm. And I think that's key right there. If you do not feel like your relationship is being prioritized amongst all this other bullshit, then what's the point? Because mm -hmm. you wouldn't be friends with those people then. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is just a kudos to Andrew's family. I don't see that all the time. I don't see it 
in my own dynamic, not nuclear family, but there are some extended situations where it's just like, it's so clear that the uh, relationship is not prioritized. Mm-hmm. It's being right. That's prioritized. It's mm-hmm. their own, you know, strong beliefs that are prioritized. It's the family image, right. That's prioritized. And it's like, once any other priority takes precedent, it's really hard to have a healthy dynamic mm-hmm. because like, the person is not the source, right. Of the, of the comfort of the relationship. Yeah. And I think when you're prioritizing the person and the relationship above anything else, you're like leading with love. And I really feel like you can't go wrong when you're leading with love, but unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people in the world who don't want to do the work and they carry all this pain. And then that gets spilled over to the people who are closest to them. And in my eyes, that again, that's not an excuse to treat people like shit because you're unwilling to do the work that you need to do. Like the work is hard and it's not fun, but if you have, everybody has work that needs to be done. And so I just think, I don't know. I just don't think that that's an excuse. And I think a lot of the times we probably give hall passes to people when maybe we need to be holding them accountable. Yeah. I mean, I think families should actually be held to a higher standard than totally, you know, like acquaintances or coworkers or whatever. It's like, they're your family members. They're the ones who are supposed to support you. Uh, so it's, it's almost like the state of mind. I think this letter writer is coming from is like, okay, how do I resist the temptation to fall into this trap to fight with my sister? And it's like, okay, how does an alcoholic, you know, resist the temptation to not drink? It's like, well, they don't go to fucking bars. (laughs) Amen. Don't don't buy liquor. (laughs) I mean, not to, you know, diminish that individual, like addiction's real. Okay. I'm not trying to make light of it, but like, come on. I mean, You just don't put yourself in those situations. It's like, I don't know if anyone is ever going to master the strength to not have their buttons push. It's like, it's just such an odd thing to be like, my buttons are being pushed. I am being attacked, but the responsibility is on me to make sure everyone else is comfortable. Like what? Just don't go. Yeah. Like remove yourself from the situation. Do what's best for you, which is not putting yourself into hurtful dynamics. And if that means you don't get to go to your little brother's birthday, I have an idea. Take him out to dinner, just the two of you Mm -hmm. another night. If that means that holidays are going to look a little different, it is what it is. That sucks. Maybe you can spend Christmas Eve with your family and then your sister can go for Christmas. Like I understand that that's hard. And that it's going to disrupt things. And you're also going to get a ton of pushback Mm -hmm. because people tend to have memories of the good times. And there are probably a few times where you and your sister didn't have a drag out fight at a family event. And everyone's going to point to that event and be like, can we just replicate that every time? And it's like, yeah, that would be great, but probably not. And I'm done ruining you know, my holidays, I'm done ruining everyone else's holidays. I'm done living in constant fear. I'm done having to go be miserable and then be fuming for the next week. It's like, 
I understand that y'all are sisters and that is a bummer that you are not going to become best friends with your sister, like your other friends do. And I get that you want that relationship and that would have been lovely if that's how everything worked out, but it's not. And so you have to come clean with yourself and say, this is an abusive relationship. Yeah. And those are hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. Ask someone who's in a romantic abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. They're, they're almost impossible sometimes. It, well, it feels like it to get out of, but they're not. And usually the cure, unfortunately, is estrangement, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure feels daunting right now. But I don't want to sit here and preach to you. You just need to practice breathing. And no, it's like, no, like, why would we do that? You're already the one being attacked. So why would I put more work on you? Yeah. You know, that's just crazy to me. I've never understood that mentality of like, you need better coping skills because someone's abusing you. So you need to not react. It's like, what, what lesson is that teaching? That like puts, that's like victim shaming, you know, like putting more shit on the victim. Yeah. So I'm a fan of victims being like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree here. And it's just exhausting being in a tumultuous relationship with anybody, especially someone that you don't, it's unpredictable. Like you're not sure if today they're going to be in a good mood or today they're going to press their buttons and start a raging fight, you know, like that's exhausting. And like, life is already hard enough. We don't need, like, this is something that is within your control. There's so many things in life that are stressful and hard that are beyond our control. Like there's enough of that. Don't add anything else to your plate. So the things that you can control setting boundaries and who you spend time with. And like, what's that quote? Like when someone shows like, let someone teach you. No, when someone shows you who they are, who they are, believe them. Yes. Yes. I think that's, that's my Angelo. Yes, it is. I also like, don't set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Yes. that's a good And that's one. what's happening here. Big yeah. time. If you continue to go, well, the thing about it is, I don't know. Again, the mom was left in tears. I don't know how the brother felt about his sisters having a huge fight at his birthday. Probably not good. So I don't really even know who you're keeping warm by setting this match yeah. you're like, you're lighting everybody else on fire but not in a good way yeah, like everyone's burning yeah so it's like at this point it's I mean you'll probably get that pushback of like no but family me 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 but it's like I wouldn't even be surprised if deep down people felt relief yeah you know hopefully sister doesn't turn and find a new enemy um hopefully it ends with you I, I mean she most likely she'll find someone else to torment, but that's not really your responsibility. So yeah, I mean, look, people cut their moms out of their lives. People do a lot. People have worse dynamics than this and they manage to get out and to do they blow up their family in the meantime? Yeah, they do. But people adapt. People are resilient. We find new ways of normal. We figure it out. Mm-hmm. I love that. So do I just need to accept that she won't change? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you get like an amazing heartfelt apology with a ton of acknowledgement and steps on how they're going to change and you take it slow and you start with spending one-on-one time together, which does not exist right now. And you build back up the relationship. Sure. 
that indicates change to me. That would probably start with sister facing consequences for Mm -hmm. her actions, which would probably look like your permanent absence. Mm -hmm. So think about that way. You're also not delivering any consequences for the way she's treating you. Yeah. Just let that marinate. Uh, So yeah, sure. If she comes back and shows all the right signs and you feel good, sure, proceed. But until then, yeah, no, she's not going to change. Uh, how do I not react in these, in these arguments? Good luck. <laughs> I have no idea. If I knew the answer to that, that would be great. <laughs> I don't know why I love that answer so much. <laughs> like I wish I knew how to cool. not when people were being huge dickheads. Yeah. That would, I would love that. Uh, I think some people just have personalities that are just kind of like meant for that, mm-hmm. you know? Like people in customer service, like yeah. they just get reamed out every day and they're like, okay, granted they probably go home and cry, but yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would like the answer to that question. You're not going to find it here. I would just either quit my job or stop hanging out with my sister. Yeah. Like, the answer is you leave. Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer. What should I do? Leave. I yeah. actually, there we go. I just answered it. You leave. That's, that's what you do. So <laughs> That's how I feel. Elise, do you want to make any bits? I don't know why I find this so funny. I just, I know because it's not funny. That's why I feel bad. I don't want my sex to think that we're not taking this seriously. No, 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 no. I take this very seriously and I actually can relate probably more than people think, but, um, I'm just laughing because Callie makes me laugh. Um, (laughs) I totally agree with Callie and I just want to I just want to empathize with the feeling of being pressured to maintain family dynamics that have been intact for decades. I very much understand that. I very much empathize that. I very much still struggle with setting boundaries and having consequences for family members with the help of Callie and a therapist and Carl and growing a backbone. I've gotten better at it. So there is hope for you. My sister sucks. Um, I think in the beginning it feels very overwhelming, but as Callie always says, like change happens once you get sick of something and you're gonna, I mean, I'm assuming that by reading this, you're already sick of it. You're already over it. You're already exhausted by it. So now is the time that change needs to happen and it will get worse before it gets better in terms of like disruption. And if you can just survive that and get through it and take it one step at a time, I promise you the other side will be so much healthier, so much happier and so much more peaceful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll mourn the loss of what you held dear Mm -hmm. for a long time, because the idea of family is very powerful. Mm -hmm. We've been programmed for it, but it's also human nature, um, to want community and the most, you know, primal community we have is family. So just you're, if you do this, if you move forward with estrangement, if you move forward with putting yourself first, you are going to be in a mourning period. You're going to feel like a selfish piece of shit. You're going to want to go back. You're going to think you're being dramatic. You're probably going to gaslight yourself. There's going to be a lot of those emotions going on. I encourage you to push through them and then see how much lighter you feel. And also use your husband as a lifeline. Like it sounds like he's been victim to your 
sister's doings also. So like lean on him, you guys separate a little, do your own thing, create your own family dynamic. Like that's the beauty of getting married is like you get to separate and you get to figure out what you want for your new family of origin and how you want to raise your kids if you want kids. And, you know, there's a lot of empowerment in that. Yeah. I would just like to recommend Mexico. If you need to go anywhere for holidays, um, it's a great getaway. Uh, you feel really good when you're there and it would be fun. So, so also if you fly on Christmas day, flights are a little cheaper. So, you know, you don't have to sit at home and not participate in what are, you know, known as quote family holidays. Um, I'm just, I love that that you celebrate Christmas because I don't know why. Maybe you don't. I'm not Christian, but I celebrate Christmas because it's badass. Um, but you know, whatever holidays you celebrate. Oh my God. I went to my first Seder dinner. I think I talked about this, right? The Passover. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but it was so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm not Jewish either, but it was also amazing. Oh, this so, was, this was like the same time as Easter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me we did. It. Yeah. We did the Passover dinner and then we didn't celebrate Easter and yeah. no regrets. It was so great. Uh, so if you, whatever you celebrate, just remember that Mexico exists and it is there for you, uh, for yeah. any time you need to get away and have an excuse as to why you're not coming home. Um, try spending more time with husband's family. If that dynamic is healthier, uh, but just, you know, overall, just do what makes you happy. I mean, there are so many people in West Hollywood in particular that, um, celebrate chosen family, meaning they have moved to our city because they were not accepted for their, uh, you know, sexuality, sometimes for their gender preference, whatever it is. And they build chosen families and they're, they're real. They are real. They are, they feel just as primal, especially to a lot of these people Mm. as their, you know, born family did. So it can be done. It's done every day. Yeah. Uh, so don't be afraid of just bending the rules and creating a dynamic that works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yay. Okay, good. Any final thoughts? I think I'm all cleaned out. I have none. Great. We're done. Okay. So we're running low on submissions. So visit our site, joinblush.com. And then if you click on podcast, you'll see a place to write in your submissions. We want to read them. We want to record them. We want to hear from you. So do that this week, please. And thank you. And then if you are ready to work with a coach and get advice, like the stuff that we just dished out today, then promo code bless you all caps. will give you 25% off your first month and memberships for your first month. Start at 179. I can't do quick math. I think it's like 135 or something with the 25% off promo code. And then after that, you can downgrade to 99 a month for chat only or video only. We like new time clients to have um, chat and video their first month so they can get the full bonding experience. But then after that, it's up to you to curate your own journey. So we would love to have you. And um, yeah, go follow us on Instagram too at Join Blush because Elise posts some fire content. I want you to see it. Thanks. Also, my toggle is on and I don't know how long it's going to be on. So if you want to work with me, now's the time. Oh shit. <laughs> you could work with Elise. Hell yes. Y'all better get on that. Uh, okay. We will hopefully see y'all soon. Sorry for that little hiatus, but we back. Okay. Bye. Bye.